We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I'm back uh, after taking one episode off. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire. And we have a special guest, Eric Crocker, is joining us from the Striking Gold podcast, also on the Blue Wire Network. Guys, how's it going? Good, man. It, it, it took us long enough on to do kind of like a little crossover episode a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it a lot. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we have. So, so Eric, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you absolutely should. He's uh, he's doing a lot of interesting stuff when it comes to the NFL draft. And you um, saying before the show, we, we've got plenty of time these days to uh, to go through draft content. So, I guess we'll start with that number thirteen pick the 49ers acquired from the Indianapolis Colts in the trade for DeForest Buckner. Obviously, a lot of people are uh, looking at receivers, and I think rightfully so, given the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is now a New Orleans Saint. So I have a lot of thoughts on this receiver class. I haven't studied up probably as much as you have, Eric, but in your opinion, with that number 13 pick, how do you how do you break down those top three guys, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs, in terms of the way they fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense and, and the 49ers as a whole, and, and how would you sort of rank them? Yeah, I, just, I, I guess I'll just start with, like, how I rank them. Um, okay. uh, number one, I have Judy, Jerry Judy, which most people have him as number one, unless you're talking to 
Chris Sims, who doesn't even have him in his top five. <laughs> um, wild. Everybody else is wild. <laughs> and you know what, though? And, uh, you know, you, you guys talked about ranking them and kind of how they fit. I can kind of understand what he's saying. when he, he's, he, Chris, I, I listen to him a lot, and I respect his opinion. He looks for special traits. And when I say special traits, it's things that you can't teach. So with Jerry Judy, his, you know, the, the thing that people talk about the most is his route running ability. And Chris Sims believes outside of his route running ability, what, does he, what else does he bring? You know, he doesn't think that he's, like, super fast. I think he plays extremely fast. Um, he doesn't think that he's – he thinks he's a little bit more average after the catch. I think he's terrific after the catch. Um, I guess if you compare it to his, you know, yards after catch or run after catch to, you know, a lamb or uh, uh, rugs, they, they are more game breakers, I guess you, say, you could say. Um, but when it comes to Jerry Judy, man – Yeah, like, like for me, the, the funny thing about what Sims said was that he doesn't think Jerry Judy has explosive traits – and C.D. Lamb's his top receiver in the class, but Judy ran a 4.45 and jumped 35 inches in the vertical. Uh, Lamb ran a 4.5 and jumped 34 and a half. And so I know people talk about, uh, you know, like, like C.D. Lamb's explosiveness and the type of athlete he is. Well, he didn't test as well as Judy, and I know that that's not everything, but I just think it's a funny thing to say, like, there aren't explosive traits in Judy's game, and I agree with you, like, I absolutely see those explosive traits, and when you talk about route running, it's the ability, I think, to explode out of your breaks, right, that that really, you can test some of that at the combine, like a three-cone drill and stuff like that, but to me, the tape says it all with Judy, and the route running seems to me to translate more to what the 49ers offense mm-hmm. Uh, needs, particularly without Emmanuel Sanders, because, like, I think Judy would be great in that Debo Samuel role, like, in the quick game, in, um, you know, it like, the, the reverses, getting the balls the ball in his hands in space, like, all of those things I think CeeDee Lamb would be really good at, but he doesn't offer the element of route running that Sanders gave the offense, which is when the offense, the passing game, really sort of had a more complete look to it. Uh, which is why I think Judy and Ruggs are, are probably better fits. I think Kyle Shanahan can make it work, but I think you sort of limit what you can do offensively if CeeDee Lamb is your guy and you have to run design plays like you do Debo Samuel because I think you only need one of those guys, in my opinion. And, and if you have two, then maybe you know your your offense isn't as dynamic as you would like it to be. You could do a lot of interesting things through scheme, but like when it's you know third and seven – and everybody's covered up. You need a guy to get open, and you can't always do that through scheme. Correct, correct. And I think, you know, he talked about special traits. I think Judy is so good (laughs) with uh, his route running that I think that is a special trait of his. Um, There's nobody that runs routes like him. He creates a separation, explodes in and out of their breaks as well as he does. Um, Even after the catch, he's able to put his foot in the ground and go the other way and make guys miss um, that are in close proximity. I mean, it's... It's really a special thing that he does there. It's almost, you know, I've heard this comp thrown out, but he really reminds me of Chad Johnson, um, the way that he plays. Uh, it's very similar. Now, the one thing that I'll say that, that might not be as good as Chad Johnson or at, even as well as you would like, I think it's contested catch. I think he, he, he can learn to play a little bit stronger. Now, this is a kid, man. He's, he's 20 years old. He's going to be 20 years old when he gets drafted. So he has a lot to grow into his body. 
um, I, I do think that he can play stronger and be able to play through contact a little bit more. Is that his biggest flaw? Is that Judy's biggest flaw, you think? Because I hear a lot of people talking about all these things he's great at. I haven't really heard anybody say what he's not good at. Does that top the list, or is that the only thing? Uh, what What do you think he's not as good at? Yeah, I, I think just the physicality part, right? And, I mean, we've been last couple of years dealing with a guy like that, Dante Pettis, where, you know, mm-hmm. it looks like, uh, maybe he's shying away from contact a little bit, you know? I, I don't like to question guys' manhood, but, you know, it kind of looks like that a little bit. Um, with Jerry Judy, I've seen something similar to where, you know, sometimes if he has to block a guy, he'll kind of, like, turn his body a little bit so he doesn't get all of that in. And, you know, maybe he wants to just, you know, uh, let me touch him just enough, right, um, instead of really putting his body out there. Uh, you know, over the middle, I've seen him kind of like, oh, let me alligator arm this a little bit. Or I've seen him drop deep balls where there's a defender, like, really close to him, maybe on his back, and he has to kind of fight through that. He's dropped it. Now, I've seen him make some of those plays as well. So it's sure. not like it's something that he uh, can't do. I think I've just seen it a little bit more than what I would typically like uh, from a receiver. And it's definitely not as good as – you know, somebody like Lamb, and people see all the contested catches he makes. Now, he has to make more because, like you said, he's not as explosive as of an athlete. And I think the telltale with that is how people were like, oh, 4-5, great, <laughs> right? It's like, well, okay, so it's good for him to run a 4-5 and have a 34-inch vert, but this other guy that ran a 4-4-5, oh, he's not explosive enough? That's kind of weird, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, he – Judy, man, that's the only thing that I'd say that I've seen. I've, I, I've watched a ton of these guys. Uh, the only thing I've seen that's like a really big knot is I, I think he can play a little bit stronger through contact. That's interesting. And it could be with the Sims thing, like Sims and Shanahan, those, those guys are boys, right? So it, it could be Sims trying to do Shanahan a solid and, and knocking Judy's stock down a little bit. I don't know how effective that would be or or even if, if that's the truth, but I think I think you can make the case for that. Um, but what about Henry Ruggs? And, and for him – in my opinion, like, you know, you look at Tyree Kill and, and how he changes just the um, the geometry of, of what the Chiefs can do in the passing game. And obviously it's a little bit different because he's probably the best deep threat in the league right now paired with the guy with the best arm in the league right now on Patrick Mahomes. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo throws a pretty good deep ball. He was accurate with it last year. Didn't take a ton of those deep chances, though. I think he was he was among the the uh, the, the bottom third in the league among starting quarterbacks in terms of um, taking those deep chances. But with somebody like Ruggs, a lot of people, me included, would would say that he's probably better coming into the league right now than Tyreek Hill was. Um, do you do you view him the same way? And could he be? Um, maybe more valuable to Kyle Shanahan's offense than even Jerry Judy because there are people saying that he's their that that he's the best receiver in the class. I know and I know it's subjective, but just given what Kyle Shanahan could do schematically with somebody that fast and how much space he could create while you are trying to create space underneath, maybe for the running game or George Kittle or Debo Samuel, whatever. Could the impact of Henry Ruggs be more than Judy just because defenses have to overcompensate for that speed that he has? Yeah, you know, I think that the the thing with Ju- uh, Ruggs that I noticed the most while watching him, you know, if you just watch his highlights, oh, man, you know, he's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it seem like he's just some speed guy. I, I think there is all the ability the, – all the ability is there. Um, for him, it's the consistency with – being able to use his speed as a threat. And I think that's the number one thing that makes Tyreek Hill so good. Uh, Tyreek Hill, he works out with his receiver coach, who actually know, uh, Dub, we call him Dub, 
but uh, Coach Williams, Keith Williams, he's from he's from Stockton. He's from here. Uh, but he trains like all these NFL guys. He trains Devontae Adams. He trains Tariq Hill, um, Kenny Stills. Like you know, there's a bunch of guys that he works with. Well, the number one thing that he works with on with uh, with with Hill is you know learning how to use your speed as a threat and be able to break down at the drop of a dime. And I think with Ruggs, he has all these spe- all this speed. But if you really just sat there and watched him, like you just watched the All-22, it doesn't look like he's playing that fast. He has to, until he catches the ball, like if he just catches a crosser in space, then yeah, you'll, you'll see the 4-2-7. But you don't really feel that or see that throughout an entire game. So he, the, the thing that he has to work on the most is being able to utilize that speed as a threat on every play. And that's something that you really have to work on. And that will be the difference between somebody – being end up being a Tyreek Hill or end up being a Clyde Gates, who I was with on the Jets. You know, you guys don't even know who the hell Clyde Gates is, but he was really <laughs> fast. But just having speed only does so much for you. You got to learn how to use it, and you have to learn how to use it, you know, to create separation and threaten cornerbacks uh, vertically. Because when I was watching him against like LSU, they didn't care that he was fast. Right. And in the NFL, they're not going to care that he's fast. So he's going to have to be able to use that speed to his advantage uh, and really threaten defensive backs. Yeah, I really liked your whole Henry Ruggs breakdown. I was following that one very closely. And one of the things you said was you probably wouldn't take Ruggs at 13. Is Judy the only guy in this class you would take at 13? Or are there some other names that we haven't brought up uh, that you like at that spot? I think, you know, I mean, as far as receivers go, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's Judy is probably the one where I feel like the most comfortable. I kind of like uh, Lamb there just because Lamb does have a special ability to be able to catch the ball in traffic, um, you know, the 50-50 balls. And, you know, if that's the way you're going to win, I mean, he, he he wins that way. So we talked about him sure. not being an explosive athlete, but he doesn't have to be as much of, of an explosive athlete because he can win in that way, uh, twist his body and do all those things. I've seen the quickness and twitchiness to be able to run routes. He's Maybe they just didn't ask him to do that at Oklahoma. Maybe that's just something he hasn't really worked on uh, throughout, you know, his three years that he's, you know, been in college. So if he can kind of refine that, and the tough thing is, in the NFL, that's not something – they don't really work on that with you. you you got to get, like, a trainer outside because the NFL, the receiver coaches, for the most part, their job is just to get you on the field and get you to understand right. the playbook so you can start playing. They don't really work too much on – like refinement and route running, like that, it's not really so much of a focus if that, if that makes sense. So yeah. he's gonna he's gonna have to work on that um, outside of practice, you know, off seasons. Get with somebody that's really gonna challenge him to fine tune that part of his game. And if he can do that, now you're talking about you know uh, somebody that's really dangerous. So what about pick thirty one? And obviously, it would make a ton of sense for the Forty ers to trade back from 31 because they don't have picks in rounds two, three, or four. Um, but just given the depth and the, like the overall talent of this receiver class, it seems like they could take, if they don't go receiver 13, um, if they did stick at 31, it, it looks like there are a lot of options. And even, even if they traded back into round two and round three, is, is there anybody else that stands out to you uh, in terms of somebody who would fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. To me, I think that guy that, that stands out the most, just as sort of an overall complete player, is Michael Pittman from USC. But I'm curious as to your thoughts on him and, and what other guys you might be circling in that range, day two or maybe late round one. Oh, man, I, I really like Michael Pittman. 
I don't know how everybody else feels about him, so I don't know how high he goes. Uh, sometimes I watch these guys, and I'm like, man, like, he's really good. I wonder how the rest of the NFL feels about this guy, <laughs> right? Um, between him, uh, Brian Edwards, he's another one. You know, I did a thread on him, and I'm like, dude, this dude's nice. Like, he has a really complete game, but is he a Kyle Shanahan-type guy? I don't know, but I, I know the one guy, man, and I, I, I have a thread coming out on him maybe today or tomorrow, but Jalen Rieger. Yeah. I, I wasn't as high on him initially, and I don't know how he fits with what the 49ers has because he's kind of like Debo Light in the sense of, you know, 5'11", 205 pounds, um, you know, 4'4", 7". He's kind of like a clone athletically in how they're built. But I think – well, he's actually a little bit thinner. But when, when I watch him, I think he actually does everything a little bit better than Debo as far as, you know, when Debo was a prospect coming out. A little bit better route running, um, a little bit better uh, quickness, a little bit better speed. Um, you know, and he does a lot of the same type of things. So I, I'm not sure if they're looking for someone that's just totally different than Debo, but I think he adds a lot. You know, um, Grant Cohn was on Twitter today, and he was talking about how, you know, they're looking for somebody that can be like Emmanuel Sanders. Well, I think Jalen Rieger, I think he can be that type of guy. And he's explosive. And um, I, I was really impressed. And then he caught some jump balls. Now, I know 49er fans, you know, they want a big guy, right? They want the Michael Pittman. They want the T. Higgins type guys. But I know Kyle Shanahan, man, you know, he 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 values, uh, you know, separation skills. And I think Jalen Rieger, man, he has easy separation skills. Between him and another guy, uh, Brandon Ayuk from uh, Arizona State, yeah, I like he's him. another one who I really like. And I think him, he's – He's he's not a finished product in the sense of I, I think his best days are ahead of him. I think he's very athletic. Um, he has he has breakaway speed for sure. He can catch a slant, take it to the crib. Uh, his route running I think at times was really good, and I, he he suffered a little bit because he had a true freshman quarterback throwing him the ball, and they, it seemed like they had to really dumb down the offense for him. But man, he had all the ability. That's another guy um, I, I was really impressed with when I watched. So. Uh, at 31, I don't know which way they go, but if I try to get in Kyle Shanahan's head, I'd say maybe, you know, an Ayuk or uh, a Jalen Rieger. I-, I could see maybe one of those two guys possibly. I want to jump over to the other side of the ball real quick. I mentioned that Henry Ruggs thread that you did, and one of the recurring themes was Christian Fulton from LSU, their cornerback, doing such a good job uh, on Ruggs, both playing off of him and uh, pressed up on him. Is he the the CB2 for you behind Okuda, and is he the kind of cornerback that the Niners might draft if they are going to go that direction at 13? So actually my my CB1 is C.J. Henderson, and I'm a little bit different than a lot of people. My my biggest thing is what what can I teach and what can't I teach, right? You know, and when it comes to Okuda, I think he's extremely sound. He's a very polished cornerback in the sense of his technique. Um, I, I love his uh, mentality. He's a, like, he kind of showboats. I, I mean, he's cocky on the field. I love it. I love all of that. Um, he ran a 4-4-8 and a 4-5-0, and, and that's fine, right? That's fine. Typically, that's fine. Well, there's this other cornerback, C.J. Henderson, who I watched get challenged a little bit more than I saw uh, Akuda because, you know, who uh, when I'm watching these games, I'm going through, and I'm like, man, who is challenging Okuda? Like, what, what receivers here? You know, okay, there's Hamler, right? There's K.J. Hamler. Well, he plays in the slot. Well, there's uh, uh, Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Well, he plays in the slot. 
And I'm like, well, okay, there's there's Cephas from Wisconsin. Well, he runs a four seven three. So I'm like, who the <laughs> hell is challenging this guy? You know? Yeah. And then I watched C.J. Henderson, and for an entire game, it was just straight man. I'm on you. He shadowed Chase, Jamar Chase from LSU. Everywhere. That's their number one receiver, LSU. I know a lot of people, you know, there's Justin Jefferson. I like his game a lot. But Chase was their, their guy. And Henderson took him wherever he was, outside, inside, left side, right side, wherever you are, and I'm in your hip pocket, man. And, you know, he, he has a size. He's 6'1", 205 pounds. He ran a 4'3", 9". He has a 40. I feel like he has the ability to match up with any type of receiver, no matter where they line up. Uh, his technique uh, isn't as refined as an Akuda, so there's, there's uh, room for growth there. But if he gets his technique down, I think his ceiling is just higher. Right, where Okuda, I think we know what we're getting, sure. and I think he fits the 49ers defense amazingly. I, for the 49ers, I probably even because they just have guys play one side and they don't do too much following. I take Okuda, but if I'm a team like where I see Okuda uh, getting mocked to Detroit at number three, I, if I'm them, I would actually take C.J. Henderson, who's the better athlete and has technique and has really good game film, had a tremendous 2018 season. I mean, great. Broke up like 18 passes. He has a bunch of interceptions. Uh, C.J. Henderson, he he gets a bad rap because he had a poor tackling game against Miami. And that's the one thing everybody goes to. He doesn't want to tackle. He doesn't want to tackle. But when you go through his film, he has some times where he missed tackles. But he has other times where he's blowing up running backs in the backfield. So I think for him, it's finding that consistency as, a, you know, uh, helping up in run support. But as far as his cover skills, there's no issues there. And I, I really like him. That That's my CB1 for sure. And then Akuda and then and, and then Fulton. Interesting. So what about – because a lot of people talk about, um, you know, how specific the skill sets are in terms of what the 49ers typically look for. And, and particularly those first two years, it was always, okay, 32-inch arms – uh, a guy who played a lot of zone in college, and then it seemed like they sort of shifted away from that last year, and, and I don't know uh, how much of that it is going to continue. Like, are, are they still going to, you know, look at guys like Jason Verrett, and obviously Emmanuel Mosley's still there, but do, do you think the 49ers might be veering away from sort of that Richard Sherman prototype with the 32-inch arms and somebody who's 6'1 or taller, like an Akella Witherspoon, and, and would that lead to them maybe considering somebody like Trayvon Diggs or uh, A.J. Terrell or Jalen Johnson or Bryce Hall, some of those other guys that, that might be on the board a little bit later? Or do you think they, they just really prize man-to-man coverage because they do a ton of man-to-man, particularly in third down? Yeah, you know, I think that's the underrated part of the defense. Everybody looks to, oh, they run a Seattle scheme. It's cover three. And really, it's like, it's not really, right? I mean, they're pressed up on the outsides. I'd say probably 75% of the time, you know, they, they line up in press, and they have a lot of uh, kind of cover one principles, especially like you said on third downs. They're, they're definitely running uh, man-to-man. So I, I hope that they would kind of get away from, you know, pigeonholing themselves into a certain type of defensive back, you know, guys that look like Witherspoon, guys that look like Dante Johnson, you know, get a little bit more guys that look like Emmanuel Mosley that are very fluid movers, move extremely well, and they can cover. And I think that's the number one thing I think a cornerback should have. Can you cover? And last year it looked like they started to go away from that a little bit, right? They got Jason Verrett. Um, you know, he's a 5'10 guy. He's a tiny guy. They didn't mind that he didn't have those, you know, long arms and wasn't uh, the prototypical size for them. 
Uh, they they ended up playing Emmanuel Mosley a ton. He's only 5'11". I think he came in at like 185. So I, I would continue to go that route, not saying that you have to find a guy that's 5'11", 185, but just find guys that cover. And if they can cover and you don't pigeonhole yourself into a specific type of guy, I think you'll find guys that can actually do a little bit more. So, I, I, yeah, I hope they start going that route. Could you see the difference that the secondary coach Joe Woods made in the secondary last year and in, in the past defense, particularly after struggling so badly in 2018? And, and how much of a loss do you think that's going to be now that Woods is a defensive coordinator for the Browns? You know, you know, man, it, it's so weird, right? Because I just talked, I just, talk, I just talked up um, Akuda and how well he played and how well he was coached up, right? And it's like, well, who's Akuda's coach? And it's like, man, it's Jeff Hefley. He was just with the 49ers. Right. And, you know how crazy is that, right? And um, I talked to another guy, Asa Jackson. Asa Jackson used to play with the Niners, and he was telling me he was like, man, Croc, man, just you know, Jeff Hefley, like he's the man. I'm like, dang, well, what the heck was the issue when he was with the 49ers? But when you talk to the current 49er players about, uh, you know, the difference between Halfley and Joe Woods, they talked about how they worked more on technique with Joe Woods. They worked more on footwork with Joe Woods. So I think he made a, a, a difference in that aspect, maybe bringing a little bit more consistency when it comes to, you know, the footwork and the technique and things like that. And it seemed like they started to change the scheme up a little bit, a little bit more too high type stuff. And I think that kind of benefited the cornerbacks as well. They're obviously a pass rush. Um, that probably made the biggest difference. You don't have to cover for, you know, six seconds. So, yeah, I think there were a ton of differences. I mean, but, man, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of stumped by that whole thing as well because Halfley looked great in, at Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, I got the head coaching job at, uh, I think, BC. Yeah, Boston oh, College. Double, yeah, yeah double-check that. Wow. Yeah, this is Boston College. Are Mosley and Witherspoon, or are they both, or is one somebody that you could see starting for the 49ers long-term? You know, I, I think Mosley, man, like, Witherspoon, obviously, you know, I love I, I love Witherspoon. I think he has all the ability in the world. I went back and I was watching some um, rookie year stuff, not mm-hmm. just be, of him. I was just going back and watching something. I'm like, man, Witherspoon was playing extremely well. He has all the ability, but it's just so inconsistent. Right. It's so up and down. And that's kind of been his biggest thing. And I don't know if it's something in his head where when he's on, he's on, right? And that's the reason why, you know, they, they continue to give him opportunities. But then you see other times where it's just like, who is this Who is this guy? This is not the same guy, right? Not the same right. confident guy. With, with Mosley, I think he is who he is. And I think he's going to continue to get better. Um, I've spoken to him. It sounds like, you know, he, he kind of has like a chip on his shoulder. And that chip doesn't move. You know, he just has, like, a huge faith in God. And he talks about how, you know, I continue to work and prepare whether I'm playing or whether I'm not playing. I prepare the exact same. And I, I could see him being somebody that has a, you know, an 8, 9, 10-year career just because of how he kind of prepares. Sure. And even if he's not the best guy, I think he has all the physical tools. Dude, man, like, low 4-4s four and a very fluid mover. I, I saw that as soon as he got with the Niners. Uh, versatile. He can play inside. He can play outside. doesn't matter. Uh, physical, so he has all the ability. I, I think that's the guy that they'll probably lean on to kind of get locked in uh, long term because I think he's coming up on his uh, last year. Yeah, the uh, pretty much everybody in the secondary except for Jimmy Ward is a free agent in 2021. So if you're if you're just taking a step back and building the secondary, and obviously we're gonna have a whole season here, hopefully to to figure all of this stuff out or at least have a better idea. But with Emmanuel Mosley being a restricted free agent, uh, Witherspoon, Kwan Williams, 
and Richard Sherman and Jaquaski Tart all up after this coming season. Uh, do, do you have any initial thoughts on how would you how you would handle that situation going forward, and which guys you'd like to keep, and others you might be okay with not paying and seeing them play elsewhere? Yeah, I, I think like my first priority would probably be locking up Emmanuel Mosley if I can, and I don't think it would like you know you're not gonna have to make him the highest paid cornerback in the league. Right. Uh, outside of him, man, I think what I would do personally, I would draft a cornerback like fifth round, somebody I really like. Um, I would draft like fifth round. See what I have in that guy. Maybe even draft a guy in like the seventh round, and then I think the following year, when I lose guys like Sherman, when I lose guys like Witherspoon, I would attack free agency and the draft, and I would make cornerback more a higher priority because right now I think 49ers can still win with the guys they have, but you can't win with the guys you have at receiver, right? Because last year, I mean, you can win, but you're gonna you're gonna come into situations where you need your receivers to be able to do more. I think that was evident in the Super Bowl, and I'm, I haven't watched a whole lot of it. I, I won't rewatch the Super Bowl. I just can't. But <laughs> I looked at certain things, and I'm like, they were playing. They, these corners on the outside had no help. Safeties were down, like, maybe eight yards off the ball. I'm like, man, this is totally disrespectful. So you have to get a receiver that these guys are going to really respect. And right now, especially since the 49ers lost Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, hey, who, who is that guy? I think Debo is really good, right? But I don't think he's really scaring anyone downfield. Right. So, yeah, the 49ers definitely have to look to, to add somebody that can be more of a downfield threat, a good downfield threat, not just somebody that's fast, but somebody that's really good. And I think that's I think that's Jerry Judy. I think that's Jerry Judy. Because yeah, as, as much as we talked that. about yeah, him underneath, same. oh, he can stretch the field, man. Like, that dude, you look at, as Michigan, I think it was the first play of the game, he caught like a 75-yard post, yeah. outran everybody. So, I think that's the guy. Is there is there somebody on the Niners roster that that excites you at all at receiver or intrigues you a little bit outside of Debo Samuel and and Kendrick Bourne? Nah, and I kind of see. You know, I'm really I don't want to say upset with Dante Pettis, but I mean I think Dante Pettis he's a guy. You know, we're all talking about Jerry Judy. Pettis has that type of ability. Yeah, he was disappointing we, last year for sure. Yeah, we, and we've seen him flash it right. I mean, the end of that rookie year, last five six games or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, he he looked good. So whatever they thought they were getting in him, he flashed it there. Like, oh, yeah, I am that guy. But since then, I don't, I don't know what's happened. I, I watched him in training camp, and it, it was like they forced him. You guys are there. They forced him to ball all throughout training camp, and it just he just was not making the plays. And, and, and then I saw Witherspoon punk him for a ball and ended up intercepting it. And I was just like, oh, man, I don't know about this Pettis guy. And sure enough, you know, once they got into the regular season – they went away from him. Now, Richie James is intriguing, but for whatever reason, he hasn't gotten his opportunity. I'm pretty sure he's going to keep grinding and keep working. I like what he brings to the table. You know, we talk about Emmanuel Sanders. I think Richie James is that type of receiver, but he just hasn't gotten the opportunity, man. The NFL sure. is kind of weird like that. <laughs> it's kind of, you just got to, when you do have the opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. I thought he did last year. He only had like six catches, but averaged over 20 yards a carry, uh, catch, had a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but he just doesn't get very many opportunities. It's, Weird. Yeah, James is interesting because he's he's one of like low key one of the toughest guys on the team. I think like definitely one of the most fearless. And there aren't a ton of slot receivers in the league who are both super tough and also have the straight line speed. Like I think James's straight line speed is a little bit underrated, maybe because he hasn't been able to show it off as much. But he could be interesting. Like if they don't if they don't find like that type of receiver, like you mentioned Ayuk 
or uh, or Rager. Like I think James maybe could evolve sort of into that role. Um, like if they went with somebody like Denzel Mims or, or Michael Pittman. Um, I'm, that's not really a question. That's that's just kind of my Richie James take. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, do you have any any other questions for for Croc before we wrap this thing up? Uh, give us your big board of five players that you want to see the Niners draft with their first two picks. All right. Um, I'd say, you know, if we're talking about 13, and I know a lot of guys, nobody thinks he's going to be there. And Jeffrey Okuda, I think he'd probably be number one on my big board. I don't think he's going to be there, but if he was, he would be number one. And number two, I'd say Jerry Judy. Uh, at three, I'd say, uh, CJ Henderson. Then at four and five, I'd say Lamb and uh, Lamb and uh, Rugs in that order. And I, I probably would take an offensive line too. I just don't know much about them. Who sure. I would say, you know, would be in front of who? But yeah, I was more I was I was more talking receivers and corners anyway. So that's okay, probably. yeah. <laughs> and then at, at thirty one, I would say uh, maybe Jefferson, but I don't think he'd be there. I'd say. I really like A.J. Terrell, the cornerback, what he brings. Uh, then I'd say probably Rieger, Arnett, the corner from uh, Ohio State. I really like him. And, and then, like, Ayuk. Or, or, or like, you know, or even uh, Pittman from are you really Are you a Jeff Gladney guy at all? Um, I, I, I like him. I, I don't love him. Okay. But I think that there is something there. I like his movement skills, his ability. I thought his technique was a little uh, – inconsistent and for somebody that's not bigger you know he's only 5'10 and he's built slight and then he's not like a blazer right because you look at some of the smaller guys like uh uh Jair Alexander or Denzel Ward right those really scrappy really good corners they're only 5'10 barely 5'11 well they they ran in the four threes yeah and you know Gladney doesn't really bring that to the table so and then sometimes he gets kind of big bodied and stuff like that so you know it's a little worrisome but I I I like him I, I don't dislike him I just don't, you know, first round that that would be a little sure. bit too rich for me. I watched him for like I don't I don't obviously have the experience that you have playing and seeing technique and such. I just watched like 3 minutes of that guy and was like I want that guy on my side in a bar fight. And <laughs> yeah, he's scrappy. He's scrappy. Yeah. I like him. He's scrappy. He's scrappy for sure. I think that's all we got. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for hanging out with us for for a half hour here. You guys can follow him on Twitter, Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, Him and our guy Rob Louder do the Striking Gold podcast, which is always a must-listen, so check that out. Add it to your feed if you guys haven't. And, uh, yeah, hope everyone stays safe, uh, stays healthy, and stays inside, and we will talk to you guys uh, later on. Thanks, Eric. All right, anytime, guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.